Welcome back to Brunch with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Tuesday morning. I'd like to welcome back on the program Andrew Dambina. Yes, once again for our six-part art series, if you like. Andrew, good morning to you. How are you today? Good morning. Thank you. And I do like. Um, I think we've had a couple of interesting ones. We are zipping up this timeline. I'm really enjoying it because I, I know I, I often talk about this on the program. We never really, I mean, I, I did art classes at, at school, but we never really um, learned about um, different time periods or impressionism, surrealism. If my art teacher's listening, I'm sorry, maybe you did teach us, but I, I don't seem to have such a Might solid... Might not have retained it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I just wish, I think if, I, if we all had a better knowledge or foundation of the sort of different art periods or different art forms or whatever, then we'd be able to appreciate art a lot more. I don't know. I agree. Also, when you go and see contemporary art, the stuff that is around us right now, and Hong Kong has never had a better time for art being around in a lot of great spaces, then you can think, oh, that reminds me of this and that. And I think it's nice to have reference points. You have right. So what have you got for our listeners uh, this morning? Well, here's something that we've touched on the word in previous recordings. You've heard of the Renaissance, right, Noria? Indeedio. Right. Oh, you made that sound Italian, which is exactly where the Renaissance was born. So there's a, a sort of coincidence. So it lasted for more than 100 years. It was in the 15th and 16th century uh, Europe. Really, it's all about Italy. And they experienced a blossoming of artistic talent for some reason in Rome and Florence. These two places were full of artist studios and artists who were all hanging out together in a way that happened later in Paris in the 20th century. We'll hear later about how that was the centre of art. Right now, back then, 15th, 16th century, it's all about Italy. And it went back to people starting to look even more than they did in ancient Greek and Rome that we've mentioned in the last week's episode, that they would look at the human form. And they brought this into a lot of religious paintings, truth yeah, be told. I was going to say, there's a lot of religious sort of artwork during this period. Yeah, definitely. Some of the best examples of Renaissance art can be found in some of the cathedrals in Italy, not least of all, the Vatican. Vatican City, which might not be considered Italy. Different passports, I understand. But, it's a, uh, but it is nevertheless the home of the Sistine Chapel, which is where Michelangelo painted his famous uh, ceiling fresco. A fresco is a mural that can be on a ceiling or on a, uh, on a wall, and um, of the two fingers touching. But, we, but you know what I wanted to do today was not to focus on Michelangelo and also Leonardo da Vinci, who are two of the most famous uh, Renaissance artists, but I wanted to go to look at some of those who we might not have heard of before, and I'm going to start off with, uh, here's one you won't have heard of, sounds like it's doing a bit of stand stand here's one you won't know, Noreen, it's Lorenzo Ghiberti. <laughs> so, no idea. He's, he's coming at you from Florence, 500 years ago. Um, well, actually, it's, it's more than 500 years, it's one, it's one and a half thousand years ago, and he is best known for a, he was a sculptor, oh. and we spoke about relief sculptures before, and that's what this man did. Oh, so you could sort of not see all the way around it. I remember you were explaining very well last time when you talked about uh, the Greek. The Greek uh, freezers. That's right. Oh, whoa. Is that gold? 
Well, you've got a good eye for fine material, Noreen. That is gold, but we're looking at a relief. So relief, listeners, if you didn't hear last week's, yes, as Noreen said, it's something that is attached to a surface, could be a wall. In this case, it's the doors of a cathedral. So something that is flat and vertical, and then it is built outwards to give it a certain amount of 3D effect, which has shadows. We looked at paintings last time, which can be on a plaster surface, but um, Lorenzo, the artist I mentioned before, Ghiberti, he was also a goldsmith. So he made jewellery, not only sculptures and reliefs, but jewellery as well. And these doors of the main cathedral in Florence were cast out of bronze and then they are covered in gold leaf. Was he very famous, Lorenzo Gabardi? Yeah. I, I tried mean, to Google him and these, ga- these guys came up. Is that some... I mean, we're looking at four guys in suits and ties. Is that, are those LinkedIn profiles? I don't know. Right, you might not have... I mean, you might not have got the... Uh, you might not have got the spelling correct there. Ah, OK. It's got, yeah. it's got an H at the silent Yeah, it's got H. a silent a silent H at the beginning. G-H-I-B-E-R-T-I. Listeners as well, if you want to look up good old Lorenzo. Definitely and, not those guys in suits. <laughs> no, they look about 30-something LinkedIn pages, or maybe it's some sort of dating profile. I don't know. Anyway, um, he also um, did some sculptures um, out of stone. He was a carver as well. Um, as many of the sculptors would be. And I want to move on to the next important person who is considered one of the top 10 or top 20 um, Renaissance artists, even though everyone normally talks about Leonardo da Vinci or Michelangelo. I want to look at some of these. And the next one that I want to talk about after Ghiberti, by the way, those gold-leafed doors took him 27 years to make. No on the way. on on the doors of Florence Cathedral, yeah. Wow, that's a, a work of that, love. You could you could say that was probably his life's sort of work, like his his masterpiece for you know artistic creativity. And and Michelangelo, he so he was alive before Michelangelo because that period went on for a hundred years or so, the Renaissance. And Michelangelo called these the gates of paradise. That was not what they were officially called, but. Michelangelo loved this piece. It was yeah. one of his personal favourites. What was the original name called, and what are they known as now? I do. You've got me on the spot now. Oh, sorry, I did. Andy. I did have that down there. I thought I'd keep it simple for yeah. the listeners. So while I move on to the next Gates one, Gates of Paradise. Let yeah. me just let me just Google the. Uh, yeah, no, they are just the Gates of Paradise. Yeah. People just call them Gates of Paradise. Oh, okay. I think there. Were, I think there was a more official name from the cathedral itself, oh, but let me just yeah, let me just try and find it. Well, wow, but that's incredible. It took him twenty year, uh, twenty seven years yeah. to create, and it's still still going strong. Still going strong, and name checked by no one lower than Michelangelo, one of the great Renaissance artists. Oh, okay. So they're the doors of the Florence oh, Cathedral. To, um, yeah. No, I don't have the official name for it. Sorry, Andrew. Okay. okay. Sorry. G- um. No problem. <laughs> okay. So, so we'll move on to our second, a very, very accomplished, important Renaissance artist, and he just went by the nickname of Donatello. 
and he came he came after Ghiberti, and he was a sculptor as well. And he also made a relief sculpture, but he nearly made a full sculpture. And this is of Saint George, patron saint of the UK, but also an important Catholic saint. I'm just going to show you that is carved out of marble. And in, including the detail. The, so we're, talk, we're talking about a standing human man image in a robe. You've all of the folds in there, and and then around him is a structure, almost like a a sculptural frame, almost a little cathedral built around him in homage. But it is he he is sitting in this structure, so you can as as an onlooker you could never get behind him to see him. Uh, in his full three dimensionals. Therefore, this is still a relief sculpture because we can't see exactly behind. What's behind it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Donatello was another one, and his his real name, the full name of uh, Donatello, they used to go by nicknames because sometimes their real names were pretty long. Uh, was Donato Di Niccolo Di Betty Bardi. So he's got a lot. Yeah, exactly. Stick to Donatello, I think. So that's how he is known in his, um, yeah, in in art history books. And that's how he he was known in his day as well. So that is uh, in the St. Mark Church, um, where there is a a small corner paying homage to um, St. George. Okay, going to mention another one who who was a painter and he painted in a very different style. Optical illusion, Andrea Mantenega. And he was a great draftsman, one of those people that could make you believe something that he'd painted in an almost... I mean, this is this is touching on surrealism a little bit. It's oh, um, it, it, you wonder what you're looking at here. I'm showing I'm showing a picture. I don't know if you can imagine where that would be in a building, but yeah, like a tower, and you're looking from the bottom to the top of the exactly, sky. Yeah. Exactly. We've got what we have here is a circular painting that is painted on plaster on the interior of a palace. And it's a dome. So you're looking up into the dome and then there's an illusion painted that you've got these characters, some of the mythical characters. There are angels in there. There are religious characters looking down on the onlooker who is far below. That is uh, the typical signature of Andrea Mantenega. Uh, and this, that's putting the painting in its oh, context. Wow. So, so you can then imagine. I've got a couple of pictures, listeners, which I'll share with you. So the and one that you first showed was just the zoomed-in version. Yeah, exactly. Oh. So it was the it was the central portion. So you can see the detail. And by the way, when you're looking at this painting, listeners and Noreen, please notice there is a bird looking down as well. And I will, I will come back to this later. Can you? You might not be able to tell what kind of bird it is. Is it a peacock? Yes. Oh. And we'll come back to that later. Why a peacock, you may ask. But don't ask me now. I'll come back to it. So Mantenegger's work often used architecture as a playful form. So he, he became known for doing the unexpected on interiors that may have had either inside of domes or arches. He sometimes paints in a filled-in arch, for example, of a view that was outside of a window with, um, with angels and religious finger, uh, figures outside 
Is that a little baby as well? Is that Cupid? Well, they there are there are lots of there are cherubs which are they're they're baby <laughs> angels and the oh, and and in the Renaissance time we will so see there are cute. a lot of cherubs, baby angels, and they are they symbolise innocence because they are angels who just have never done any bad in their lives. Oh, wow, it's a really striking picture. It's just the detail. It's amazing, but it's also the perspective because yes. they are looking down on us. We really feel like they're up in the sky. Imagine if you're on the floor of that palace looking up. It would be just amazing to see that. I mean, with the, the, the perspective, as we zoom out, there's a second picture, as Noreen mentioned, which shows you the rest of the ceiling and there are portraits of kings and queens because it is a, it's, it's a palace in a rural part. It's a kind of royal home in a rural part of Italy. So... I still can't find the original name of the Gates of Paradise. Oh. I, I'm, I'm very sorry about that. Um, I, 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 was, I, I was listening to what you had to say, but I was trying to Google it. So right. maybe if the listeners know the original name, drop us a message, on, a comment on the Facebook page. Meanwhile, you never know. Noreen might tell us before the end of this segment. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. But the next artist, folks, is Sandro Botticelli. And he is quite a famous painter. When I say quite, he's actually very... All of the names I've mentioned for people who study the Renaissance are famous names. We're talking about those in the top 10 or 20 of Renaissance artists. And for the listeners who have an interest in art or had the time to do so or knew about it, we were very lucky in Hong Kong to have an exhibition of Botticelli um, and some of the Renaissance artists of his times, which were on display in uh i think it was last year in the um in the museum of art in chimsa Choi. it was really fantastic and we're going to just talk about a few of his paintings all of them were commissioned for religious places but that came after one of his most iconic paintings of all time in the renaissance period and it is this one. Oh, whoa it's the birth of venus so it goes back We've got a bit of a link to ancient Greece and Rome, where Venus was the goddess of love. We saw it in a mosaic form, and we are now looking at it in a very different rendition. It's from the old myth, where, the, where there were angels around, and Venus has her I immediate helper, who's about to clothe her as she comes out of the sea in the ancient Greek and then Roman myth. The Romans kept that myth alive. It's beautiful, and just the detail, not just of Venus and, and her hair and, and the shape of her body, but she's standing on a shell. It looks like yeah. a scallop shell of it, does. doesn't it? Yeah. And the water behind her looks lovely, lovely and clean, and there are seagulls around. It's a, it's a wonderful Mediterranean kind of landscape that's behind her. And Botticelli, when he got famous after this painting and a few others, he started to have a team of helpers apprentices who would be commonly for the for the renaissance time and thereafter artists who become successful do get teams of studio helpers who then allow them to do their commissions uh, more quickly and they will teach them and it's a privilege of course for those who worked with such masters to be in their studio but we move on from that to most of his works being quite religious and he he did paint, as many of the Renaissance painters did, in something called tempera. I don't know if you've heard of that kind of paint. No. So they use um, egg yolk, 
I was going to say, it sounds like tempura. I know, I know, not to be confused with. Yeah, definitely, it, it does. But it's, it's tempura, it's a very similar word. Uh, it's a little bit of egg yolk, but no batter. And it, <laughs> but a, bit of, a bit of water, and then pigments that came from metals. By this time, in the, in the, uh, in the years of the Renaissance, there were metals that were able to be uh, that where where color pigment was able to be extracted so you had some very unhealthy metals like um cadmium Ooh. and um lead mercury uh, yeah yeah there were, there were all, there were all there were all kinds of metals which uh which were used for making paints and the first type of paints or during the renaissance time where luminescent uh colors luminescent colors yeah. were prominent the, these colors were very very new and very different from things that had come before them and the the cathedrals of various parts of oh, uh, of Italy wow. have these amazing there here there is a there's a a picture of the Madonna with the baby Jesus and some angels which one of them looks a little like a cherub a slightly grown up cherub but what strikes me about some of the religious paintings of Botticelli is that they don't always look too happy the uh, um, you know the Mary and uh, and Jesus um it's um i mean uh, we may be looking at uh, the image of Mary just after she's um uh, given birth in which case she's excused for looking a little tired, tired. Yeah. yeah but but even even yeah. when 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 he's looking a little more grown up in some paintings he's probably not sleeping through the night that'll be it yeah that will be it and oh, yeah, uh, they... uh, and quite wistful that's a beautiful painting it is. there are many of these which are painted on the walls and look at the 3d effect that's a mural um, wow. using tempera. Maybe people back in the day were just more reserved and didn't really smile openly a lot, and it just reflected the whole um, sort of um, presence of people. You know, maybe people on the street didn't really, you know, smile too much, so the art reflected that. Actually, know. yes, because the, por the portraits... Yeah, and the portraits of, uh, of those who were well-heeled enough to commission a portrait or of the... The, the royal figures, um, they didn't smile. It's not like people smile and do a selfie now or yeah. <laughs> smile for the camera. Or, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. People didn't really smile for portraits, no. or, or photos no. or for um, and, you know, paintings. And much later than this too, when you look at, say, Victorian England or other parts, you know, sort of uh, 100 to 200 years ago, not too many smilers around. No, I wonder why that is. Maybe they, didn't have, they weren't so confident with their teeth. Maybe they had none. Could be it. Didn't uh, want to show their gums. Yeah. <laughs> it might it might be that the last painting of Botticelli and of the Renaissance for today that I want to talk about is the Adoration of the Magi and that is the Ooh. it's it's the wise men it's the nativity scene basically and we can see in this and this one we were lucky enough to have in the uh, Museum of Art uh, show in Hong Kong. It's a real a few talking ago. point. Yeah, a couple oh, of years wow. ago. Yeah, yeah. And um, we can see in this painting, it is the newly born Jesus, the wise men who have come over to bring their offerings. They've followed the stars over to Bethlehem and all that jazz. And in there, there's, um, there is a peacock. Remember we saw a peacock before? Told, oh, yeah. told you I was coming back to yeah. this. So um, one of the enduring symbols of the renaissance period for its hundred or so years that it took place was the peacock and it symbolized long life and it was just for that group of artists and that period it wasn't so much a cultural thing it's the artists decided to use it as a symbol 
And uh, that is about all I wanted to say on the subject. Excellent, Andrew. I really, really enjoyed this period of uh, Renaissance art. And of course, um, it's got its uh, ties with Renaissance music. It's a complete uh, period. Uh, perhaps you'll talk about Renaissance music. In the- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much, Andrew. And you'll be back again next week for more Art Talk. Thank you very much. Thank you, Noreen.